we handle that in our culture. Johanna uh, Dobshiner uh, found this out uh, the hard way. Uh, she, okay, her eyes were opened, and I trust and I pray that your eyes will be open today as you read this text. But her eyes were opened uh, by a by a, a sign that was placarded on an attic uh, where she was hiding out. Uh, the Word of God was written there on a sign. Um, and she read that and her eyes just opened. God had freed her from surrounding chaos for, for really years. She was a 17-year-old little girl, but had always been very serious about her prayers, about studying the Jewish scriptures. God had delivered her multiple times to this point, escaping Nazi imprisonment in what you could only describe as supernatural ways. Christians in Holland had managed for over a year to hide her away in now a third place. And so there she is in an attic. Although Jesus had been drawing her, one of the places she stayed, there was a little storybook, a children's storybook about the stories about Jesus. And, and she was just drawn to that and had even started praying to Jesus. But her eyes had not yet been open. Um, and so here she is in this attic, hiding. She cannot go or make any noise, go downstairs or make any noise in the day. And she's up there in a tiny space with another lady who really despises her, looks down on her has no greeting for her at all, um, and commands her around. But in that little place, uh, a plaque above the door attracted her. And she said, um, man, this is it, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. And for some reason, I love hearing how people come to know Jesus. It's, there's so many different texts that open our eyes. But for her, that was the text. So true, she writes. Neither Sister Mooney nor anyone else knew my heart, my searchings, my contemplations. They all saw the outward appearance. Only God knew my heart. A vital truth surged through my very being. Death. Life. He's alive. He, he pleads still with all humanity. It was he who had been busy with me all these months. His vast, almighty, and penetrating Holy Spirit had pierced my iron curtain of reasoning. Rabbani, Master, my Master, my God. And she says, a supreme sense of absolute safety and belonging filled my excited and happy being. Within seconds, meaning, purpose, and security presented itself to my reason. There was hope for this world. Hope through this unknown Savior, this Jesus Christ. Rabbi Yeshua HaMashiach, Master Jesus Christ. It was all I could whisper. Deep thankfulness and love to Almighty God for His inexplicable revelation and gift flooded my inner being. God cared. He cared after all. He cared for his people and was interested in his people. That message of God knowing you and caring for you is written all over the Bible. It's imprinted in this passage so well as Jesus 
turns our eyes to the skies and to the fields to teach about his care. But I pray that it will spark in you a faith today that will never end, never end. Because we do live, though not in her time period, uh, the difficulties this young lady faced. But we live in times where there is complexity, there is trial, there is news stories that can make you anxious. There's rise in violence, right? We see people abusing their authority to harm others. And that's alarming. We see images of people abusing that abusing of authority to harm others. And that is alarming. We see people using weapons to kill others, even minors. We see minors using weapons to kill others. These are alarming All of those things, of course, are wicked. We see countries blasting other countries. We see children dying, little babies. And we'll go to Romans 1 in a few weeks, and Lord willing, or a month or two, and we'll see the explanation of what happens in a society, why this violence comes. The Bible explains that. But this text helps us Understand what I can do to remain anchored, steadfast in God's care, even in those times of rising violence. We see rising violence in our streets, here even in New York. We see rising prices on the shelves, don't we? That which used to cost this much now costs this much, and if your income is fixed, it's like, wait a second, how is that going to work? And that can be alarming. And so we need to get into this text to help us listen to Jesus' message for those who are going through alarming situations. And really commands us, don't worry, don't worry. We'll divide it into two sections, a healthy command, don't worry, and a healthy plan, consider. I would just encourage our families here with little children, as you think through their future, there's a lot of things to consider, and you can start thinking the wrong way in how you consider But what the Lord wants us to do is to consider our future and consider it as Jesus would and not worry. Let's look first of all at this healthy command. A healthy command for worry is don't worry. Verse 22, he said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life, as to what you will eat, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? What a great message Jesus has there. Verses 22 and 23, we could really spend the whole time on this, so I'm going to try to just keep clipping and and read the passages and let them fall open before us and let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. But there's a little explanation needed here, verse 22, this, this context. What is the context in which this sermon is given, right? Jesus probably shared this message many times as he spoke often preaching on the hillside. Open-air preaching was common for Jesus. And people would come and listen from villages miles around. In this case, he's sharing with his disciples and many others, but you, you read the context and you find there's, in this context, misplaced fear and misplaced focus. Misplaced fear and misplaced focus. If you have a Bible there, look at chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, and, 
And you find him showing that there are some people who are just focused on the external, on the needs of the here and now. He says, I tell you, friends, do not fear those who kill the body and afterward have nothing more than they can do. Verse 5, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. I tell you, fear him. Right? And so sometimes we get so focused just on the outward, the body. Right? How's my hair? How's my bank account? What am I going to eat tomorrow? All these things we need to take care of. But we don't think about, wait a second, future. Not just my child's future for the next 70 years, but my child's eternal future. And so there's this misplaced financial focus that he gets into. There's the misplaced fear, and then you continue to reading the passage, and someone was not listening. In <laughs> This is really fascinating. Look at verse 13. It's like someone in the crowd heard that and totally checked out. They came to that message with a question they wanted to ask Jesus, and Jesus is saying something completely opposite to where they're going to ask a question, and, and he's just, like, sometimes that happens. It's like, did you know, like, you, I know some people sleep, and it's okay if I can be a minister of sleep to you today, but, but like, some people are just, like, sleeping, and they get up and ask a question, like, we just talked about that for 30 minutes. This must be what Jesus said, because after he says that, someone in the crowd stands up, verse 13, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I got this inheritance and my brother's trying to keep it all for himself. Teacher, tell him to divide it with me. I just was talking to you about not focusing on the here and now, the money. And then he tells him this parable. Verse 16. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I don't have any place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. And he's contrasting this. Eventually, this will come in when he's contrasting it with the birds. Okay, later that don't do this. This guy is a worse than a bird brain. He says, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger barns. And then I'll be able to store all my grain and my goods. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Okay, that sounds a lot like be careful here with our toes. That sounds a lot like the American dream. That sounds a lot like what parents are not careful. What they push down their kid's throat is the ultimate good. What does Jesus say about that? God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Well, in case the kids, but... So it, the one who says, lays up treasure for himself, is not rich toward God. And so if they're giving their whole life to the here and the now, without any thought of the future, they're foolish. And so that's what's going on. There's this misplaced focus on the here and now, misplaced focus only on the here and now, and not the eternal. But that's all we read about. That's all that we see around us. So, so it, it, we need, as people that live in... This day and age, and every day and age, to be reminded of these truths. Okay, so I'm so thankful you're here, and we'll let Jesus remind us of these truths. Look at the command. As we have a misplaced fear and a misplaced focus, then we'll always be worried just about the things of the here and now. That's what will worry you. And so the command is, do not worry about this life. Do not worry. Don't be anxious, Nasby says. King James says, don't take, don't take thought 
take no thought. This is a repeated word both here and then the parallel passage, Matthew 5. You have most of the occurrences of this word in the New Testament. But as we looked at in our study on anxiety, uh, this is not always used negatively, this word. In fact, there are times where it's used positively in Scripture when it's talking about a spouse. Right? Be concerned about the things for your spouse. Or another partnership. You may have a teammate there that goes down. Looks like their ankle's broken. You have this concern for that person that the medical team is giving thought to. You're giving thought to them. Um, where it becomes a problem is when you continue to give thought, you continue to give thought, you continue to give thought. Actually, the root word here is give thought. There's the thought, the word of thinking. And that's a good picture for us what anxiety is. Anxiety is when you can't change the channel. Your brain dwells on it and dwells on it and dwells on it and dwells on it. And you know what? If you're honest, it's not about others. It's about Tim. Right? If I only dwell on the things of Tim, then that's anxiety. That's what he's talking about to cut out. Right? We need to take care of the things, the responsibilities we have, but, but we know when that turns into anxiety. Therefore, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor your body, what you'll put on. I mean, he's talking about some very normal things to be careful about, to be concerned about. Once you take care of those things, then, then leave that channel. Move on to heavenly things. Well, why is that, Lord? We ask as we're sitting in the crowd and he tells us this. Well, he gives the cause in verse 23 and following. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, right? Life is more than that. The body is more than clothing. Your existence is more than this, what you see, what you wear. And he focuses on what you put on you and what you put in you. Your life is more than what you put in you and what you put on you. And we, we need to put stuff on us. That's good. We need to put stuff in us. That's good. Right? You'll die if you don't. But he's like, life is more than that. So much more. And so if your only concern is the stuff you're wearing and people's perception of that stuff or... It's only about your, your food. And you need, to, you need to get your eyes off the mirror and onto the Lord. Life is more than our temporal needs. You've lived consciously from, some of you maybe 10 years, some of you 70 years, but you will be living a million years from now. That's the point. You will be alive and living a million years from now. These little babies that are so precious until they dirty their diaper. No, they're so precious even then. They will be living a million years from now. It gives perspective. That's what Jesus is saying. Life is more than the here and now. Spurgeon said, time, how short. Eternity, how long. Death, how brief. Immortality, how endless. And so he's encouraging us to live life in light of that. And he comes up with a better plan, a better plan, okay? And so that's this healthy plan to help you not worry. Consider your father. Consider your father. And and in the considering, you look at your Bible there, you have verse 24 and verse 27 begin with what word? 
consider, consider, right? And so what I did is I just highlighted those in a different color so they jump right out at me. Consider, consider. And, and what that is in the original is it, like it's, it's a similar word to the word anxious or give thought to. Instead of giving thought to the, those things, change the channel to consider. You see how it's the battles in your mind? Consider these things. Change the channel to, to focus on these two things. And he tells us to consider from nature, uh, the ravens and the lilies, and then also to look at the Father, lessons from the Father. So lessons from nature, verse 24, consider the ravens. Verse 27, consider the lilies. Helpful lessons for us today to keep our eyes on the Lord. As you change your thoughts, that will change your actions, and eventually it will change your feelings. That will come around to where you will not feel as anxious about that thing because you are not totally obsessed with that thing. Okay? All right, so this is how this happens. Consider a lesson from nature. Let's look at the ravens. Consider a lesson from nature. Uh, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? All right, so in each of these cases, he gives us an illustration. Jesus is so great at this. He teaches with these object lessons. So there's an illustration and then an, a lesson for us for life, life application, okay? So uh, pretty easy lesson here, illustration, right? Ravens don't store and uh, God provides for them. Ravens don't store up food and God provides for them. Contrary to popular belief with the little red hen, the little red hen went and do you guys remember that book reading that when you're a kiddo? The little red hen prepares the prepare does all that. The little red hen does nothing. The little red hen waits to be fed, goes and looks for it, begs. So do the pigeons, right? Um, you don't see a hen storehouse. You don't see a raven storehouse. Uh, ravens don't store up and God pr- provides for them. And so again, he's contrasting that with this person that is trying to amass this huge fortune for themselves. Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your lifespan? Uh, If then you cannot do every very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? You are very valuable is the first lesson, and then you are finite is the second lesson. You are very valuable today. God loves the birds. He takes care of them. Um, I've often downloaded an app, I think maybe three times now, to keep track of all the birds that I see, because we actually live in a spot that is great for bird watching. But I never follow up on it. I was like, oh, I'm up to three. Uh, Some people love doing that, right? Seeing all the different bird species that fly through New York. It's fascinating. But, But it's really hard to keep track. The Lord knows them all. He knows it all. They, they are valuable to him. And, and so, actually, if you have your Bible, look at the, the verse. Let's see here. It's 12, verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, 
and not one of them is forgotten by God. Right? He says, look, look, even the littlest ones, the sparrows, your heavenly Father cares for them. Right? These are just sold for two pennies. Five of them. It's a good deal. You have five of them for two pennies. He knows about them all. He knows all of those little, little sparrows. Those little ones. I love God's care for our little ones. These little babies. Uh, the Bible tells us that they have angels that always appear before the face of your Father in heaven. These little ones. So be very careful how you treat these little ones. He loves those little ones. Like little sparrows in his hand. His point is, if he loves the little sparrows, he's going to love you. You are valuable. In Christ, yes, eternally valuable, but also in creation, you are valuable. And then I like the, the picture of the, the raven here. All right, the uglier, maybe. Actually, I, I point to that because it's an unclean bird. Why would Jesus pick a large unclean bird that is totally unkosher to this Jewish audience because God loves maybe the ones that are on the a little more the outcast so I just don't feel like I fit in here there or the other God loves you he cares for the the littlest and even the outcasts of society yes quoth the raven God cares even for me in Jesus' parable, he chooses that tiniest bird. He chooses that unclean bird to show God loves all of you. And he paints the church as a bird sanctuary for all who will believe and receive the gospel by faith and repentance. You enter his sanctuary, his bird sanctuary. One of the first church plants my family was a part of in South Jersey, Growing up as a little child, when I was a tiny little child, was in a bird sanctuary. What a great picture. This is God's bird sanctuary. Right? Where all people come and, and have family. Have people who love them and God who cares for them. God cares for you. You are extremely valued to him. These little ones are extremely care for you. Care, uh, God cares for all of them. But also, he teaches this lesson. Um, we, we are all finite. We are all finite. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? Right? And, and so this is helpful for us. Right? You can provide the best education, the best health, the best everything for that child. And, and we've got to recognize it's out of our hands. You can provide the best education, the best food for yourself. You can discipline yourself, the, the strictest of regiments, regiments. Uh, and, and give yourself totally to making sure that you are in the best of physical condition and still die at 23. You, the Bible says all of your days are written before there's one of them. You are finite creatures. I am a, and we just forget about that. We need to remember this. And Jesus is saying, come before the Lord, recognize your days are in his hand. He knows all of your days. Rest in him. Our, our children are in his, his hand. Rest in God and God alone. And so we consider the birds and we consider the lilies. What a beautiful picture here as he moves on in verses 27 and 28. Consider the lilies. They grow. 
They don't toil or spin, right? They're not making clothes. And yet even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Consider these lilies. Consider the fact that he, he clothes, his, clothes the dirt and the grass better than Solomon, who was the wealthiest and most powerful of individuals in that cultural setting. So you pick out the most powerful person alive today, the wealthiest person, the most creative person. That was Solomon. God clothes the fields. I love how wildflowers. Why does he do that? Right? We cut real special flowers like roses that are more, a little more delicate and we give them, we spend money to give them to people. But you know what God does? He just puts wildflowers everywhere. They're weeds. But they're beautiful. They're just as beautiful as roses. It's just that there's so many of them. And they're so hardy that we don't buy them. But they're still just as beautiful. And that's the point. Right? This is our God. He can clothe the grass better than Bill Gates can clothe himself. That's what, this is the power of our Father. And so why are we uptight about all these things like that? And so this is just changing our thinking. Consider that when you're worried about your clothes. Consider that when you're worried about the electric bill or you're worried about whatever bill it is that's in your credenza. Maybe what your boss is looking at you like or whatever the pressures are, right? Our mind will want to think, think, think. And Jesus is just going to take a couple pictures for you. Please, would you take those with you this week? And as soon as your mind starts to go down that road of, you got to take thought to it a little bit, but obsessing over it. That's when it becomes negative. We start beating ourselves up and, and internally it actually is negative on you. Emotionally and physically. So you've got to, you got to take Jesus' advice here and start thinking about the birds. And start thinking about the fields. Start thinking about our, the, the amazing nature of, secondly here, our Father. This is a beautiful thing. Oh my. Look at this second group of lessons. Uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible comes up here. Consider, secondly, lessons from your Father. Lessons from your Father. Um, yes, the Lord will take care of my daily needs, but, but you know what? Look at our Father. First of all, your Father knows. Your Father knows. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all those the nations of the world seek after these things, your Father knows what, what you need. He knows that you need them before you even need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. All right, so today... Your Father knows all that you need before you even need them. Um, remember who God is, that He knows the needs. He knows the needs of today. He knows the needs of tomorrow. So stop seeking that. Stop being obsessed about that and seek the Lord. Seek your Father. Think about your Father. Not only does your Father know, look at the second one. Uh, your father adds, your father adds, but seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you, right? A great math equation. I was at Einstein, he said, I can't remember what he said, it was temporal. Maybe life is temporal, equations are eternal. 
Here's an equation that is eternal. Seek his kingdom. These things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven. That's where it doesn't wear out. Where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your father adds to you. You can try to multiply all this stuff to to where there is no way that it can be taken, but it's not safe enough. There's no safe, strong enough. It has to be given by the Father. And the Father provides his security. So what are you to seek first? Verse 31. What are we to seek first? His kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. Matthew 6.33, as he shares it in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first. So that is what should consume me. The purposes of God being king and following him and encouraging others around me to take up that cross and follow Jesus, the way of the cross. So what are you seeking today? What is it that you're looking for? He says in this passage, if you want to have freedom over anxiety and worry, then you change what you're seeking after to be not just the here and now, but to get this eternal perspective to God's kingdom. God is real. He sent his son who is king. And this kingdom has begun and it will go for eternity. And we will live with him forever. And so my preoccupation is the things of his kingdom. I realize many people live for themselves. And I would say all of us are tempted each day to live for ourselves. Because this is the way we're born. We're broken in that way. And so we need God to change our perspective every day. Every day we need to bow to him as king and say, Lord Jesus, I'm tempted to live for Tim today. Help me live for Jesus alone. May you be my king. May I follow you. Dads, that's the only way you're going to be a good dad. Moms, that's the only way you're going to be a good mom. Is if the strength comes from above. And you're following his leadership and how you're a dad and a mom. Our homes then become part of that kingdom. Lord, how can I influence my son or my daughter to be a part of this kingdom? That their purposes would be Jesus' kingdom. Pursuing his glory. Bowing to him as king, as an obedient vassal in his kingdom. We don't know much about kings and kingdoms. I realize it's all over the tabloids right now. But that's not, England is not there. Right? This is, there was nothing, all, very little do we have in our society compared to what they thought of with king. They're talking about Herod. Somebody tries to usurp his throne, he kills all the babies. Right? That's their idea of king. Despot. Jesus is a benevolent, kind, loving despot. And we bow to him knowing he knows best. And so we seek first his kingdom. And then he adds all these things. He just puts it all in one big bag. All of those things will be added to you. Don't worry about it. It's all his to give to you. And that's my next verse. Again, what I would just say, not my verse, but you can claim it too. Um, uh, One of my favorite verses in the Bible, verse 32. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. That's... The heart of our despot. 
And he gives three beautiful imageries here. Um, The comfort is your father, king, and shepherd loves to provide for you. And I love those three images. Fear not little flock. He's a shepherd. And he's got a little flock. The creator of the universe who's right taking care of the stars has him all named. Who's holding all the atoms together in your body by the word of his power as if he didn't have anything to do. He has this little flock and you're in it. And he's a shepherd walking with you. He sees when you get close to the crag. He sees when you need the, the grass. He sees when, when you're in danger. He sees it all. That's the picture. What a beautiful way to think about our Father. And that's the next image. Your Father's goodwill, right? Seek His kingdom. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your Father has chosen. Right? And so we have this benevolent Father It's the Father's pleasure. Sometimes we think about God the wrong way. God loves you. Loves to give to you all His grace in Jesus. The Father loves you. It's His pleasure to give it to you. I I see this as a dad. All of us dads would say we fall far short of the Heavenly Father. But you know, it, it... it's a rotten dad who doesn't have at least this, right? Where I would love to give all of my kids huge chocolate bars for breakfast. Right? It's just, I would love that. I would love to see their face light up. I would love to give them everything they want. I would love to give them billions of dollars. I would love to just, it's just my heart to do that. But I know what's best for them. And, I, and so I have to, you know... And God's like that. If you just realize he's a benevolent, loving father, and you say, God, why don't I have this? He knows. It's not the timing. He knows what's best for you. He's our father. We're in his family. In Jesus, we're in his family. He welcomes you to join that family, to join that kingdom, to join that fold today through faith in Jesus. And we think about that also as a king, as a king. I love that phrase. Because oftentimes this comes up in the Bible, and, and right, this lady dances before, uh, what was it, Herod Agrippa? Yeah, and, and, and he says, I'll give up to half of my kingdom. But what does God say here? It's the Father's good pleasure to give you up half of his kingdom? The whole thing. That's his heart. He wants to give it all to you. Because we're joint heirs with Jesus, and he has given it to his son. And so in Christ... God loves me enough to give me the whole kingdom. Nothing is short in the gospel. Right? And so as we ask the Lord to give us a building for our church, he could do it in a moment. And we pray in faith. It's, he could give us a whole city block. It's no big deal. No big deal. And so we say, Lord, we say in Jesus' name, you know what's best for us? What is that in your life that is so pressing right now? Would you, in faith, look at it and say, my father, my shepherd, my king, thank you, and I trust you, and I wait. Please do that. That's changing your thinking. That's getting victory over anxiety. Okay, I need to really wrap it up here. Um, What about verse 33? That's real popular, right? Um, And I think this is where this fits into a baby dedication. Sell your possessions, give to charity, make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes nor moth destroys. 
Where your treasure is, there your heart is. And I, and I do believe this. When we accept Jesus as our shepherd, our king, and our father, everything we have is his. This is what we do. Right? It's not that I, like, like there's this 10% thing as if, right, and that's a good gauge, right, gauge our family tries to, to use. And, and, but you know what? It's, it's not that. It's not like I finally, I, I would just strictly did this and now God likes me. No, it's God, this is all yours. This is all yours. And help me make my responsibilities and help me to give to charity, help me to give to the church, help me to give of myself, my time, my talents, my treasures. All things are yours. So this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Because it's like, it's, it's, a, it's the same bank, it's a joint bank account. And when God says, give, we give. When God says, hold back, we hold back. He's the only one in charge of that. Your pastor's not your conscience there. God is. And so we come before the Lord and, and we do this. And I would say this for our families, and because this is where it really kinds to an application for our baby dedication. Not just our, there's something more precious than your bank account. It's those little babies. And you would, you would not entrust them to anyone. But we do this today. We say, Lord, this baby is yours. And I believe these families have already done that. As soon as our children were born, we, we prayed that way. Because we would not want to hold anything back as an idol. And so, God, this, this baby is yours for your kingdom. We, we dedicate them to you to, to, for you to honor your name through their lives. May they be used for your kingdom and your glory. Please lead, guide, and direct them. Please protect them. But we dedicate them to you. Because you are worthy of that. And so this really fits into our baby dedication ceremony. As we trust the Lord with our children, as we trust the Lord with everything, we give all things into his hand, and that helps us not worry about our children. Right? Now, he's their father. He's their shepherd. He's their king. He's going to be with them when they're in 11th grade and they're taking the subway to school. Right? That'll get on you as a dad. He's going to be with them. When you're not with them. And so it's most important to leave them to the Lord. Let me just end. I, do th- I just have two minutes here to, to end with a story. This is uh, beautiful. It just helps us with this. Hudson Taylor, a missionary to China. Through his ministry, 800 folks went to China to share the gospel. Overseas missionary fellowship. He gave us this advice. Let us give up our work, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones, our influence, our all, right into God's hand. And then when we have given all over to him, there will be nothing left for us to be troubled about. Isn't that great? When we give given all over to him, there will be nothing left for us to be troubled about. Few in history suffered more for the cause of Christ than Taylor did. He surrendered all to evangelize folks in China. Happy New Year, uh, our Chinese folks. Um, And yet it took a toll. He buried six children and two wives. 1870 alone lost two of his children and his first wife. Shook him deeply. Times his health was so shaken that he had to recuperate. But he continued to work. He continued to work because his father provided one point, a friend whose wife passed away had to leave to take care of his four children. And, and he was running a hospital at that time in China. And he came to Taylor and he said, I can't continue to run this. Can you run it? And Hudson Taylor prayed, 
This is a huge undertaking. He has no finances. The hospital itself had only finances for that month. 50 inpatients on any given day. All of these sick, all of the staff. There's no electric funds back at this time period. He had to wait five months for funds to get to him. But he had to make the decision. And he said, the Lord will provide. He asked people to pray. He asked the Lord for grace. Trusting in a real father who would never forget his children's needs. Soon the funds that were left there at the hospital were used up. His own supplies ran low. Eventually, they came to the point where he was mentioned. They told him the last bag of rice has been opened and is disappearing rapidly. This is how Taylor responded. Then the Lord's time for helping us must be close at hand. Before that last bag of rice was devoured, a letter arrived uh, in an extraordinary way, and he received more than he had ever received up to that date, what would be amount to $30,000. The letter also left this note. It was someone who had been left an inheritance, and he said, I hope this provides for your needs, but I would be interested in helping on a, on a monthly basis if you need that. Hudson Taylor was overwhelmed with thankfulness and all. Uh, suppose he had held back. Um, God provides. God provides for his families. As we step out seeking first his kingdom, he provides for you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. This is our Heavenly Father. Takes care of all of our gospel needs. Takes care of all of our daily needs. Just going to take a minute and then we'll, as I pray in the quiet, we'll just have the families come up if you would. And we're going to have a prayer of dedication for these three families. But let's all do business with the Lord and talk to Him as our great Father. uh, As our great King. And as our great Shepherd. Perhaps you've come today with something that has really been on your mind. And it's turned to anxiety. Let me encourage you to give that over to the Lord. In a moment we're going to sing Jesus Loves Me. uh, And pray for these kiddos. Pray for these families.